All right, so Matt, did you know that the year 666 was a cursed year? No. Yeah, apparently everyone that was born that year is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Man, I'm good. It's uh, Qu- uh, Graveyard Tales Quarantine Edition again. Yeah, no kidding. Everybody's getting cabin fever. Oh. Nothing nothing better than uh, your favorite podcast dropping a new episode. So You know, or us dropping a new episode. I That's mean, either exactly one. Right. Which- <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have your best, settle for us, I guess. <laughs> yeah dude hey, the, there's, oh. nothing, there's nothing wrong with everybody being everybody's second favorite <laughs> no not at all <laughs> <laughs> man i tell you the this whole quarantine thing is it's killing me man i mean i'm used to working from home but like i would leave once a day twice a day go do stuff you know go pick up yeah. the kid but ashley and i are stuck at the house with an eight-year-old so if you think we're okay we're not okay <laughs> um we're, i feel you brother we're trying to be teacher and now i i think when we get back into the swing of things i'm gonna go take his teachers a bottle of liquor a piece all right yeah because i i now feel real bad for him having to deal with 38 year olds I, I feel real bad for him yeah yeah me too i i I couldn't even, I couldn't even begin. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I, sh- I shudder to think of, uh, you know, birthday parties and stuff. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. glad I've only got, I've only got really one left that does the, the, the big birthday party thing. Right. So <laughs> I'm all, I'm almost out of that one. <laughs> almost done with it. <laughs> Yeah, With having having a dead gum carnival in my backyard, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like it's like jumpy house madness. Hey, you can't even get a jumpy house now. I mean, I I would I would kill for a little bouncy house in the backyard. Oh yeah. At Great. least I could go out and do something. You know. I learned the other day I can't do uh, the trampoline anymore. So that oh no that yeah, kills no, me. I, <laughs> I just I see the trampoline sitting there. I just keep walking. Yep. Nope. Right. <laughs> I have a impacted vertebrae now from trying to do that, but whatever. I mean, I'm not doing anything else. I can lay on an ice pack all day, right? Yeah. Well, I thought about opening the pool the other day, and I was like, "No, nah, they'll jump in it. Mm-hmm. They're here all day, right?" <laughs> I'll look out. They'll be like, "Oh, <laughs> water's like 65 degrees," you know. <laughs> yep. Hey, kids don't feel that. No. Kids don't feel temperature. Not I mean, it, it can it can be freezing cold water, and they're like, "This is fun. I want to go swimming." So, real quick, we want to thank Podbelly Network. Um, if you 
need any information on starting your own podcast, uh, now is a good time to start a podcast if you've been thinking about it. Uh, we all have nothing but time right now. Um, it also has a lot of other podcasts that you can go search and and discover something new that you might not discover on a regular basis. So go check them out at podbelly.com. Great website, great bunch of people, and great bunch of podcasts to be aligned with there. Another thing we wanted to thank tonight's sponsor, Shudder. Um, great time to dive into Shudder right now oh, if you yeah, haven't. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but we'll talk a little more about them later, but thank you, Shudder. Um, and on that note, Matt, why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight? Okay, so tonight we are going to be discussing curses and hexes and what to do if you if you get cursed and maybe how to break it. We're going to talk about some of the different types of curses. We're going to talk about some famous ones, too. But, um, you know, there's there's a little bit of a difference, Adam, between a curse and a hex. They're, they're very similar, but they have some subtle differences. And Most although people curse, probably don't know that. That's right. That's right. You know, you know, but you use the word like jinx and all that other kind of stuff. OK, they're they're kind of synonymous um, and and we're gonna we're gonna act like they are tonight because we're gonna primarily be saying the word curse. We're not gonna be saying curse words. We're gonna be saying the word curse. Um, but curses and hexes, they they mo- they may have the same intent. You know, they're looking for similar results, but there are differences. Where hexes are typically considered to be evil spells, and they're used to inflict harm on an individual. And hexes are used by practitioners of witchcraft and and usually require witchcraft to break them. Curses are typically spoken or written and generally can be used by anybody, even even clergy members. And although both require rituals and spells, the hex is more commonly directed with a specific intent where curses typically are used to bring about general misfortune. For example, uh, if a scorned witch, you know, wanted to hex her former lover, she may do so so that women would find him unattractive and prevent him from ever finding a wife. A curse may simply make life hard, you know, cause some financial distress relationship difficulty, loss of mental faculties, and so on and so on. So, you know, you, you can you can get very specific results with a hex, but again, that that's that's actually casting an evil evil spell on another individual. Whereas a a curse may be, you know, it's just well, we're gonna get into it. But but a curse may just be like, you know, Bad luck will follow whoever opens this door, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. And, and I felt like I was cursed for many years, you know, really, because I got uh, I had just bad luck all the time. And, you know, not even a joke. I just thought I was cursed for a while. Yeah. And uh, if you notice, I've got um, four leaf clovers tattooed on my wrists. Uh huh. That was my my dumb idea of getting rid of it. I was like, hey, <laughs> if I wear four leaf clovers. Then that's good luck, right? And now I've just got four-leaf clovers on my arms. Well, you know, the the opposite of this 
are are charms, right? You know, something that's meant to bring about good fortune. We're we're not going to really discuss charms tonight. We're we're really looking at at the curses and hexes, um, but but they're all in the same vein. Um, you know, you you cast a magic spell so that you you know can come into some money right. or make somebody fall in love with you or to get that promotion at work. You know, you've always, we've all heard the term, you know, that guy's living a charmed life. That that's really all it means is there's, there's something, uh, in the universe that's given him a little bit of extra help, but with a curse, there may be something in the universe that's turning things against you, you right. know, whether it's, you know, you get up and you and you spill coffee on your pants as you're going out the door to work, and then you you know you're going to your car and another car drives past and water splashes all over you. You get pulled over on the way to work because you got a headlight out and all this. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> right. You might be cursed. <laughs> Could be. You scorned some witch in the past that's put a curse on you. <laughs> So when Matt first brought this up to me, um, talking about this episode, I I didn't know how we were going to get a full episode out of a song. And then I realized he wasn't talking about the hexes and oh <laughs> song. He actually meant we were going to be doing oh hexes God. and curse. <laughs> Been sitting on that joke for a while, Matt. I had to get oh, it out. Oh, man. <laughs> Can you tell? Because it was kind of warm and moldy. I've been uh-huh. sitting on it for a while. <laughs> so <laughs> you want this gummy bear it's it's all warm and soft where it's been in my pocket <laughs> pretty much it's the warm gummy bear of a joke it's got some pocket lint <laughs> <laughs> so uh, like matt was saying um you know curses have been around for a long time and Ancient Origins uh, website. I don't know if anybody goes on there, but I love the Ancient Origins website. I will go there to really start out my research for a lot of these things that we do because it has good citations and sources that you can then follow from there. Well, they had a good um, kind of synopsis talking about curses, so we'll start off with that. Um, It says, as long as humanity has had beliefs in deities, the supernatural, and the power of magic, the use of magic spells and curses have featured widely across all cultures. Very much entwined with human nature, such beliefs and practices have continued to the present day. Well, archaeological finds show evidence of a plethora of ancient curses and protective spells such as the discovery of cursed tablets, evil eye talismans, and warding items. So those are some things we'll kind of talk about here in a minute, but those are, you know, objects that have that are carrying this curse. Um, the history of curses varies between cultures, locations, religions, or beliefs, and times. But the intention of the curse has consistently been to conjure a supernatural power to inflict misfortune or punishment on a target. So again, like Matt was saying, it, you know, it has an uh, specific intention that it's out to do something not so nice to you, ranging from real bad up to just a little bit annoying. Um, but a curse can can cause that. Um, now, a curse is sometimes called a jinx or a dark spell or, like Matt said, a hex because they're pretty much 
synonymous there. Um, and they can be verbalized, written, or sometimes cast through elaborate ritual, which is more along the lines of a hex. Um, the aim is to see harm befall the recipient. Bad luck may dog them, death may take them, or any number of dire or annoying fates may plague them. Now, in antiquity, a curse was a powerful phenomenon. It often was viewed as a summoned wrath of a god or the presence of evil forces. So, you know, they used to see it as we're pulling the power of whatever deity. If you do something wrong, then you shall be cursed. Yeah. And and we've talked about that before in, in previous episodes, probably in a lot of episodes, oh, we, yeah. <laughs> we've yeah. hit on curses and stuff. Um, well, it was believed that those finding themselves cursed could seek help from magic practitioners, shamans, religious leaders, healers, or witch doctors, and have the curse reversed through counter rituals or prayer. And Matt will get into some ways that you can basically a DIY get rid of your curse. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is the breaking curses for dummies, you know? Yeah. By dummies. So, <laughs> well, a way to avoid being cursed in the first place was to possess certain items of protection or warding. Now, you know, that would be like a, an amulet or something like that, or my black tourmaline yeah. necklace, you know. Um, so we still use these things, and by we, I mean me too, um, use things like this to kind of ward off evil um, ward off a curse or or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, uh, sage smudging. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things are are meant to to ward off some type of negative energy, right? You know, to protect you. Uh, you know, people. You know, people have. Um, uh, they wear well. They wear crosses around their mm-hmm. neck, or they wear. Um, a medallion with a particular saint yep. on it because it, you know, it, it it's meant to protect them, you know, from, you know, negative energy from bad things happening. Right. Right. And, you know, I mean, it can be as simple as your quote unquote lucky rock. If it has a meaning to you, something that is, you know, deep, a, a deep meaning to you that that helps you in your day to day life. It, it can be considered a talisman or something like this to ward off evil. Mm-hmm. Now, the purpose of these spells and curses were and remain today aimed at punishing or changing behavior, warding off disaster, and controlling the actions of other people. And there are a ton of different types of curses, and. There, there's a website from a lady who calls herself the Traveling Witch, and she did a very good job of putting together different types of curses and, you know, kind of how they're done without us actually telling you how to perform a curse, because we're not going to do that tonight. Graveyard yeah. Tales is not going to be responsible for you <laughs> cursing somebody. We'll tell you how to break one. We're right. not going to tell you how to make one. Right. <laughs> you, you're going to have to go to some other podcast for that. We're not going to... We're not going to be responsible for curses all across the world. 
I've got horns growing out of my head because you taught my boyfriend how to make a curse. Yep, exactly. I don't. I don't want that email. I, he, he was. He was. He was trying to help you. He was trying to do something else. He just said it wrong. Right. Yep. And I field. I would say ninety percent of the emails, so I don't want to have to field those kind of emails. I just. I really don't. Well. Um, Let's get into her list here. Spitting is a type of curse, and and spitting is a powerful form of cursing. Um, It takes some effort to work up enough saliva to spit on something while not taking up a terrible lot of time, so you can work a lot of intent into one little action. Obviously, spitting on someone (laughs) would be the most direct form of cursing them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and that's quite an inflammatory move according to her and and it's actually illegal in a lot of places um, to actually spit on somebody has been declared an illegal action um but because it, it, it's considered a curse j- well i was like uh, it, here it's considered it, assault <laughs> yeah right and i think that's that's it, it actually it may have started out as being illegal because they thought it was a type of cursing, but ah, now yeah. it now it is considered assault when you do that. So, yeah. you know, even if you want to spit on somebody, don't do it. Yeah, you're gonna get bad. you're gonna get an assault charge. Um, and she even says, "I don't recommend doing this." Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so she says, instead, you can spit in front of or behind the person you're trying to curse. So that, I guess, that's better. Yeah. Um, oh. Alternatively, you can spit on something of the person's, preferably something they'll make direct con- contact with, like a door handle, a car door, or chair. So, I don't, I don't like, and especially now in in the climate that we're in with um, COVID nineteen, let's not be shooting body fluids around like this. <laughs> That's a bad enough curse, right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I spit in your general direction. Yeah. (laughs) No, you don't. I don't want it. Put your mask back on. Um, You see in a lot of these older movies or movies about, you know, times past, they you'll see someone spit on someone. It's not only derogatory, but it was considered a curse and they were cursing the person that they spit on. Yeah. So that that's kind of why you see that in these movies. It's not just a, oh, this is derogatory. I'm going to put bodily fluid on you. It was actually considered a form of cursing. Yeah. Now, another type is the evil eye. And the evil eye was traditionally a curse cast out of jealousy or envy and was thought to cause bad luck and injury to the recipient. It's quite easy to branch from there and use the same principle to meet your own ends. Giving someone the evil eye is a method of cursing that can take a bit of practice, though. Essentially, you're directing as much ill intent into a quick glare, um, as quick a glare as you can. It's pretty difficult to miss your target as long as you don't have a wandering gaze. (laughs) Accidentally go, hey, look at that guy. Oh. Yeah. oh, crap. That, Sorry, that, dude. That poor sap. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I don't know if you remember the whole uh, Ronnie James Dio starting this thing. Uh-huh. And I'm yeah. throwing up the horns here. Uh-huh. Um, that, 
you know, he said he got that from his mom because that's the warding off of the evil eye. So mm-hmm. to protect you from the evil eye, he would do that. And then it just became synonymous with rock and roll. And now this is how I wave because I'm stupid. So I'll just do that <laughs> instead of waving. Um, but, you know, the evil eye has been thought to be very powerful for hundreds of years. And you, I mean, that, how do you know if someone's throwing you the evil eye or not? That's why it was so worrisome to people is because I I don't know that person. It's kind of where the thing that gave me the stank eye came from. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, And I don't know where, how regional that is, but uh, you know, I gave me the old stank eye. Um, That's kind of what that is, is, you know, the evil eye and, Anybody can look at you. You don't know whether it's the evil eye or or not. So it, it was something that people worried about quite a bit. Maybe they just maybe they just got one eye that kind of bulges out. You know, they're just kind of. Are you giving me the evil eye? Yeah, no. I mean, and and you don't want to say that to somebody. That's and then right. they're like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> yeah, making fun of somebody's affliction. All of a sudden, you're like, man, I don't. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you were giving. I thought you were cursing me. <laughs> yeah, then yeah. you just look like a jerk. So <laughs> now, verbal curses is another another way to do it. Um, a quick verbal curse is easy and effective. Um, and she says, "I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail on this one, as it's largely self-explanatory. There are a lot of excellent and creative ideas for cursing like this." And I mean, I think we've all heard someone, whether someone we know or just on TV in a movie, throw a verbal curse at someone and you can say it, but it's all about the intent that you put behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot like a lot of other things we've talked about. It's the intent behind the words being said right and how much intent you put into it will give you know that much power to it in the long run yeah because you can say it i mean you can say the words that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be effective i mean you you really got to mean it i mean you you got to want it you got to have some energy behind it for it to actually do anything and i mean how many times this would have been cool and I thought about this statement before we started recording, but um, <laughs> and I would have actually looked up some information. Um, but how many times have we talked about some haunted place? I mean, I, I can think of at least two prisons that that we've discussed where somebody was executed, and right before they were hanged or whatever they uttered some curse on Mm -hmm. somebody there or the town or whatever. Right. Right. And you know that, yeah, you think there's going to be some, some serious intent behind that. If, if you're fixing to put me to death and I curse something, Mm -hmm. I've, I've really got some strong energy coming behind it. So, and of course, you know, we've got, Stories of towns and 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 locations, you know, having just horrific fortune right. after somebody was was killed, you know, on, on that on that property or or in that town or something. 
So, so yeah, I mean, you know, giving it the full gusto, you know, really putting putting that emphasis behind it is where you're going to find it's most effective. You know, right. You know, I can sit here and you know rattle off some words, and it's it's just words, right? And I mean, it, again, you can. Like you're saying, you can just sit here and rattle off something that sounds like a curse, but with no intent behind it, probably not much is going to happen. But then again, if you put a lot of intent, you can say almost anything, any word, and that intent would be there. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you think of it as basically the word is the vessel to get it to its intended target. Right. So you could say higgledy-piggledy on your home, and it actually be a curse if there's enough intent behind it. Yeah. Now, I don't know what the higgledy-piggledy curse would actually do, but, <laughs> you know, it, it, it it's the word is more the vessel rather than the, I guess, the recipe. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's formulating the curse, but the energy mm-hmm. behind it is, right. is what's what's giving it the power yep um another type of curse is a written curse um and she says some of these curses can fall under the same general category as a verbal curse um writing an ill intent on a slip of paper and stashing it nearer on the target can lend excellent results so you know again it's the vessel of the curse you're writing it down and then planting it on someone yeah so it's kind of the same thing that almost seems more powerful. Yeah, it, if, it does to me. If you're gonna if you're gonna formulate the words in your mind, you're gonna put them on the paper. You're transferring that energy into the paper, and now now you've got a not not only the verbal uh, recipe to use your term, but but now you you've got the energy that's stored inside that paper that could give it. Or or stone or whatever that could could give it that um, that ability to pass on mm-hmm. to say I'm not standing in front of the person I need to curse so I'm gonna write this curse I'm gonna stick it in his pocket or I'm gonna you know drop it in his car or something like that and right you will know, we'll see what you happens know, we you you'll hear us say this a lot tonight and in even if we don't say it, remember this. It's it's the intent. The intent that you set yourself, you know, toward is what is what is the powerful thing. And like Matt was saying, the, the written curse seems to be slightly more powerful simply because you're putting more intent and effort behind that. Speaking it is one thing, but then when you take the extra effort to write it down, it's like when you're performing a ritual of, say, wanting to get rid of bad vibes from you, you can write down this, you know, I, whatever you're trying to get rid of and then burning the slip of paper. The, the paper is really nothing. It's that intent that you've put behind it. Exactly. Now, another type of curse, she says, is a long-form curse. And a long-form curse is what most people think of when they think of cursing. It takes a lot more time, is generally well thought out and planned, and often requires the caster to hunt down materials 
to use in the casting. This is the form of cursing that most people commonly involve, like tag locks as well. For for those who have never heard of the term, a tag lock is something that will connect the person to the spell, like hair, a toenail, saliva, a photo, etc. Yeah. So this is see a lot of it in voodoo. Yes. Yes. And and this is what you'll see portrayed most of the time when people are doing a curse in a movie or mm-hmm. something, um, and and when they talk about witches, mm-hmm. you know, they you're wanting this locket of hair from somebody, or you're wanting right. their their handkerchief or their whatever, because that's what connects you to them. And you know, this is one of the most powerful types of curses. She says though that this form of cursing isn't that much different from other forms of spell casting. Um, there are as many ways to cast a curse as there are ways to cast a spell, and it can be ritualized or not, but all the components are basically the same. You use words, materials, and actions to assist you in directing your intention and willpower to cause a change through your magic. So, again, it, it's all about your intentions and your willpower. Another type of curse is an object-bound curse. And an object-bound curse are the the types that she says she runs into most frequently. These are curses that, instead of being directed at a particular person, are attached to an object and follow that object around, affecting whoever comes in contact with it. She says she often finds these uh, sorts of objects at thrift stores, antique shops, and flea markets. Yeah. I mean, we've we've talked about those a lot. Oh yeah, it's like what is it? The, it was a little the little tiki god in the Brady Bunch. Yeah, you know when they yeah. went to Hawaii, they got <laughs> right, right. It was cursed. It was causing right. all and kinds of problems. We got to get rid of it. Matt, I don't I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember that coin? Uh huh. That I was already, given. I already been thinking about it. All right, it's behind me. Um, what? I thought you got rid of that thing. No, I bound it. Hold on. It's been bound in salt. Ah. And I have it bound in a in a jar. Um, and it, it's a a coin that has a, a it, it's called a hobo coin, basically. Um, so the, the picture on the front has been changed by carving of the metal. Mm-hmm. And when I first got it, I noticed, like, I put it in my pocket. It, it was given to me from somebody at my previous job, and I dropped it in my pocket, and I, about 20 minutes later, I just started feeling like crap that day. Felt like crap the whole day. And, and when I took it out of my pocket, I set it on the, the cabinet at home. Matt and I talked about it a little bit, and... You know, we just got this uneasy feeling about this coin. And and I sent a picture of it to our buddy Randy, who's a medium. Mm-hmm. Who, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to our interview with Randy. Um, very in tune guy. And I, I didn't tell him anything about it. I just sent him a picture and said, what do you get from this? And he said that it was an object that is intended to cause harm to the person that owns it and the person that owns it, unless they do something about it, will get more and more attached to this coin until it drives them mad. So at that point, 
uh, I figured I needed to do something with it. So right. um, ended up, you know, binding it in a uh, a thing here and, and haven't touched it physically since then. So I, I thought you threw it in the lake. I, I considered it, but um, I was like, you know, this is an interesting object and I would hate to get rid of it, but I don't want it to cause any problems for me. So hence the binding here. Maybe you can have a uh, post Malone come over and open it. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. Have him fall on the floor of my house. And... Oh, that was powerful, man. <laughs> he seems to be into that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I can get old Mr. Bagels to come over and see what he thinks. Yeah, y'all open it up on, on live on YouTube and we'll see what happens. No, don't. I'm, I'm, this no. is a joke. Don't. Yeah, not I mean, gonna. I mean, look. You know, honestly, there there's a lot of stuff that that Adam and I discuss that that we do really believe in. I mean, we know there's a lot that we're kind of like, eh, what? Yeah, I don't know about that. But um, there there's a lot of stuff that happens that we just can't explain, and there's a we have seen enough to know that tempting fate is not a good idea. And right. Exactly. Cursed objects are probably best left alone. Um, even if you, you don't believe in them at all and you just start spilling out things like it's just coincidences, you know, the, it has nothing to do with this. I, I I don't believe in coincidences. So, you know, if if you got something that was supposedly cursed and weird stuff started happening to you, then you need to get rid of it. You know, I mean, it it just even if it's all in your mind, that may be the intent. If if you think you yeah. have bad luck, yep. then you have bad luck. You know, how mm-hmm. many, how many, how many times have we heard about, you know, athletes being in a slump or you hear the term, ah, he, he got inside his head. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, if somebody was to say to you, I, I'm going to curse you and you're never going to be able to do this correctly again, you know, you're never going to be able to ride a bike and you're like, whatever. And then the next time you get on your bike, you, you fall over or you wreck or something. And now, even if you didn't believe in the curse, now it's in your head. Now you start to think, oh, she, they put this curse on me. I can't ride a bike anymore. And then before you know it, right. you can't ride a bike anymore. You know, you, you, you've right. really gotten inside your head. So, you know, uh, you don't don't mess around with this kind of stuff. I mean, it is, it's really... It's really just best left alone. Man, Matt, you know, this this quarantine and everything, it's got me, I've, I've watched everything on TV. I'm just so bored with what's on TV, and I, I really don't know what to do. Man, I've got an idea. What's that? You should check out Shudder. Yeah. AMC Network Shudder is a premium streaming video service Super serving members with the best selection in genre entertainment, covering horror, thrillers, and the supernatural. Shudder's expanding library of film, TV series, 
and originals is available on most streaming devices in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Ireland, and Germany. You've heard of Christmas in July, but now get ready for Halloween in April. Yeah, buddy. Shudder is making April halfway to Halloween month. Shudder will launch its biggest month of non-October programming ever with the premiere of its new series, Cursed Films. The season two premieres of The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs and Wolf Creek. The original documentary, Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist, and the first eight Friday the 13th movies, and more. That's a lot. That's a lot, man. The Friday the 13th collection, including the first eight movies in the franchise, along with epic documentary Crystal Lake Memories, the complete history of Friday the 13th. Man, I saw the original Friday the 13th at the drive-in. Oh, wow. I'm I'm aging my I'm aging myself right there. <laughs> and as we mentioned, three big exclusive series. The premiere of Cursed Films, which is Shudder's newest original series, an all-new season of The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs, and the long-awaited second season of Australian horror series Wolf Creek. And you know, Adam, Amanda and I were subscribers to Shudder long before they were sponsors of the show. We right. We fell in love with the books in the Discovery of Witches series, and Shudder mm-hmm. has an original series based on those books, and it is fantastic. If you like vampires, you like demons, you like witches, you will love this series. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that, so I had to then go and watch it myself, and you're right. If you like the stuff we talk about, you will like that series, so go check it out. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and supernatural for only $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. So that's a great price. And Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. They've been called the Netflix of horror, and I get it. It's, it's amazing. Shudder features the best movie, according to Rotten Tomatoes, One Cut of the Dead, and the best horror movie of 2019, Tigers Are Not Afraid. So while you're on there, go check those out. It's, it's amazing. Now, Shudder has a unique collection of exclusive and original films and series, horror classics, and blockbuster hits, including the hit Creepshow TV series, produced by director Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead. Our listeners can try Shudder for free for 30 days. And all you've got to do is go to Shudder.com and use the promo code GRAVE. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and put in the code G-R-A-V-E. That's right. And April is the best month to try this out. Get Shudder free for 30 days. Go to Shudder.com. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and use the promo code GRAVE. That's G-R-A-V-E. You know, like Matt was saying, it, it's a cursed object is is nothing to mess around with. And had I not had the direction that I had with this coin, you know, it may have caused me some issue um, in the long run, but with the information that I have gathered over the years, I knew kind of how to protect myself against it. So, yes, I still have it. I don't advise anybody else normally to just keep a object that 
is cursed with them, but I feel pretty comfortable with the one I've got. It's safe. It's not going anywhere, and we're not going to open it up on YouTube Live <laughs> or Facebook Live to test it. Um, but like Matt said, just don't mess around with them. Um, but curses or the threat of a cursed object was a clever method used to protect valuables for centuries. Now, during the medieval period, um, book curses were widely used and effective at keeping thieves away from precious tomes or important scrolls. Now, the medieval Catholic Church possessed as many of these books um, as they could. You know, they, they try to get their hands on all of these. Yeah. Um, and they probably still have, I would say, most of the, quote, cursed books. Yeah. And now, you know, this this is a plug right here. If if this kind of stuff interests you, we did a Patreon episode way back when on books that are too cursed to read. I remember that. Yeah. And um, and it's pretty cool. And it, it includes books like the, you know, the, the Grand Grimoire, mm-hmm. um, which is believed to be the most cursed book. It, it is also believed to be in the, in the vault at the Vatican library. Yeah. Where, yeah. where you can't access it along with, <laughs> right. Uh, now I say believe that's, there's a lot of assumption that goes into that. There's a belief there because the Vatican Library does indeed have several books that are considered to be too cursed to even open. Right. And, you know, some some of the books, you know, are instructions on how to summon particular demons. You know, some of the books were just they, they had brought about everyone who who had read the book had died some horrible death. Um, there, there are books that, you know, whatever the subject matter was, they, they couldn't finish it. You know, it took sometimes decades, you know, and multiple authors to complete a book because it was considered, the topic was considered cursed and actually putting it down, you know, on paper was, you know, it was feeding the fire, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, Adam is Adam's right. You know, they, they, they did for a long time, try to collect these books to keep them away from people that, you know, either could use them to inflict harm or unleash harm, you know, on a population or, you know, if nothing, nothing worse than just harm themselves. They were like, right. you know, the, these particular books. Cursed or not, we need to get them out of the general public. You know, mm-hmm. they, they need to be put away and protected. Um, and, you know, the, there's a lot of these kind of cursed books that you think, oh, well, you know, you just throw it away. It doesn't always work. and Or, or burn it. That's even a worse idea. You know, we, we learned just that. Just like the Ouija board. Yeah, we learned that from Ouija boards. You know, if, if it contains enough energy to curse whoever owns it or reads it, you know, it's probably not a good idea to burn it because you might just release that. You know, if it's bound yeah. to that book, then you want to keep it bound to that book. Right. And, and the physical book may be the only thing binding it. Exactly. And keeping it from going anywhere. So it's like the, 
Sty, sty, in my eye. Hop on the next passerby. That's what my granny used to say. If you ever got a sty in your eye, you know, you had to go to mm-hmm. a crossroads and say that. And then I, it, I think would, she would, it, would, it would hop on the next person. Yeah, it just seems like she was trying to get all her styes onto you is what it was. <laughs> hey, Matt, come walk by me a time or two. Just walk in front of me. And she's like saying that. Trying to, <laughs> she's standing in the hallway. That. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Matt, come walk in front of me real quick. Walk you hear from the going, bedroom to the bathroom right through yeah, here. Sty, sty in my eye. Please go hop on Maddie's eye. This is like a crossroads right here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now it says curses written in the in in these tomes warned would be thieves of dire repercussions such as excommunication or damnation, um, and the practice dated back to pre-Christian times and was used in the earliest libraries. These the books in a collection at the Library of Nineveh in Mesopotamia were marked with various curses. In what reads as a threat against copyright infringement, one text has this warning, quote, Whosoever shall carry off this tablet or shall inscribe his name on it side by side with mine own, may Asher and Belit overthrow him in wrath and anger, and may they destroy his name and posterity in the land. And a lot of curses like that on books and everything, it was intended to make you worry about the afterlife. If you were to mess with this, you may be okay now. You know, you may be okay in life, but you will be damned in the afterlife. And, and you know, like if you look at a lot of Egyptian curses, it was trying to make sure that you didn't rest, right. that you were judged harshly in the afterlife. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that was a big fear for a lot of people. And, so just the threat, just writing that down and someone reading that is enough for most people to go, nope, I'm out, I'm out, and then leave it alone. Yeah. So what do you do if you think you've been cursed? Whether you cry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you, you get four-leaf clovers tattooed on your wrists. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> or, or or you do some other things, you know, and and I'm going to kind of go through what to do if if you if you think you've been cursed. So this is this is how to break a curse. So step 1, get a live chicken. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Done. Oh, dang it. <laughs> no, but you you hear that in the movies a lot, you know. We need a live yep. chicken. <laughs> I need a live chicken. I need a, a pig's chickens, tail. You know, chicken bones and all this. I don't know. There was a um a th- something I I read and and this is kind of tangential to this, but kind of not. Um, there was a way to if you were cursed, you were you did get a, a chicken, and you were able to pass the curse threw the chicken into the chicken egg, and the chicken egg bound it. Oh, yeah. I've heard of and this. And then, then you disposed of that chicken egg, or you cooked that egg to destroy the that's curse. A, that's another, that's a voodoo thing, too. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. So, don't go get a chicken. <laughs> I mean, unless you want one. Yeah, unless you just want a chicken. You know, or you go to KFC, you know. It, <laughs> I don't think that counts. But, <laughs> but all, all serious, seriously, 
Serious. Carry out only right as now, serious though. No dine-in. Serious as we could be on this show. Um, <laughs> right. Okay, so step one is is you have to you know evaluate what's going on. So the first step in breaking a curse should always be a thorough evaluation of your situation, and you you should ask yourself these questions: Do you know for certain for certain? Do you know for certain <laughs> that you've been cursed? <laughs> Sorry, your accent. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I think I think I've been cursed. You may have. You've had your speech cursed. If you know for certain. Uh so do you know? Yeah, do you know? Were, were you there? Right. Were you there? Did somebody did you catch somebody giving you the evil eye? Did somebody spit on you? Um, and if not, what makes you think that you have? So if if you do know that somebody's cursed you, the more information you can get on who cursed you and and how they did it and why, the the better off you'll be. So if you'll know it was it was old lady Jenkins and she gave you the evil eye because your dog pooped on her lawn. Okay, so knowing that much information, you're you're ahead of the game. Um, you want to know what kind of effects is the curse having? Is it affecting only you or are other people experiencing it? So are, are you cursed or is like your entire family cursed? You know, right. is, you know, did, did you, did you sit down on some gum, you know, and you're like, Oh, I ruined my best pants, you know, or, you know, did, uh, did your girlfriend, uh, you know, cut her finger while she was, you know, chopping vegetables, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. So these questions can help determine the best plan of action when you're trying to undo the curse. So the the more you know about the curse itself, the more you can tailor your solution. It's also important at this point to make sure that you've really been cursed because you you might be going through a whole lot of trouble uh, for nothing. You know, sure. it, it could just be, you know, a run of bad luck. This stuff could have happened you know, to anybody. Or you're just clumsy. Yeah. Or, or, or in this case, like maybe just some poor decision making, you know, you just, <laughs> right. you know, if you, if you do some dumb stuff and it turns out bad, you know, okay, you know, chalk that up, you get pay the stupid tax, you know? Right. Um, but you know, thinking about, is there somebody that actually would want to curse me? Have you done, done somebody wrong? You know, I, you know, have you have you done something that caused somebody some harm or some, you know, some misfortune? You know, maybe you did something at your job that caused somebody else to get in trouble and you let them take the blame for it, whatever. So the the following won't help you a lot if your problem isn't caused by a curse. You're just going to be, you know, spinning your wheels for a while and mm-hmm. maybe stuff is going to continue to happen. So step two. If it's a spell, you, you want to try to reflect it. So when you're trying to break any curse, always try spell reflecting first. Now, reflecting spells is a way of sending the magic back to the caster, leaving you curse-free. Now, it can be very effective, but it doesn't work for every curse. Now, if you're dealing with an experienced spellcaster, they may have put safeguards to prevent the magic from rebounding onto them. 
Now, it's a good idea to evaluate in the days after trying your spell reflection to determine whether it worked or if you need to move on to the next step. So it, the next step would be to try a simple curse-breaking spell. And there are a lot of ways to break curses, and some of them are actually, you know, fairly easy rituals. Um, and and you should try the easiest method first and see if it works, you know, before you run out. Work smarter, not harder. Right. You know, if, if you can go to the crossroads as opposed to finding a live chicken, you're, <laughs> you're better off. There's no reason to kill a fly with a sledgehammer here. Um, let, let a living, let a source of living water carry it away. You know, you, you take yourself to a natural source of water, like a river or a lake, um, and, and get in it. And you know what, this type of, of removal of a curse or a hex or whatever we've seen throughout history, um, there's even um there's even mentions of this in the bible you know where you know this guy was you know he was stricken with some you know deformity or leprosy or something like that as a curse and you know he's told you know go bathe in the river jordan and you'll be cleansed mm-hmm. you know so we we even hear about this type of stuff you know in, in scripture uh, the next one says, burn a bay leaf at dawn and again at sunset. Allow the smoke to waft over you, and when the leaves have finished smoldering, scatter them in the wind. So again, pretty easy. You can Most people can go to their cabinet and find a bay leaf. So there's two right, right there. You can try, you know, no harm. If things get better, hey, Bob's your uncle. You're done. There you go. Use uh, The next one is use selenite to cleanse your energy field and break the hold that the curse has on you. And, you know, selenite is kind of like the black tourmaline. You know, it Mm -hmm. it helps absorb, cleanse from negative energy, you know, so, but it might be a little bit harder to come by. That's next on my purchase list, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. Is that selenite going, put it by the bed, you know, along with my chunk of tourmaline. Adam's going to go to the doctor and they're going to be like, Adam, you've gained like 12 pounds since you were here last. And he's like, oh, well. And he starts emptying his pockets with his yeah, right. tourmaline, <laughs> Sorry. selenite, and all this stuff. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's you know, my rocks. I've been carrying yeah. around this stuff. <laughs> right. I swallowed four, so that's going to throw <laughs> off the, the readings a little bit. So there. I'll come back in about three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the next one is take a bath with Epsom salt. And hex-breaking herbs, so bay leaves, fennel, jasmine, and nettles are all common uh, hex-breaking herbs. Okay, now, very serious input here, um, because I I studied herbalism for a while, and I almost got my herbalist degree, but that's a story for another time. Um, Nettle. Nettle is a, you'll know if you live around nettles. They're called stinging nettles for a reason. Um, they produce a histamine response in your body. Yep. Um, so if you put nettle in your bathtub, be warned, you may itch. So my suggestion, if you're going to do this, 
put the nettle in some type of tea bag type situation so the nettle doesn't get on you. Yeah. Because if the nettle gets on you, you're going to think you've been cursed with <laughs> ants in your pants. And I mean, dead serious. Do not get that on you. Right. You're going to itch. So, precursor to this, make sure you're not allergic to nettle. Right. Because <laughs> that, that may just do you in if you jump in a bathtub with that yep. floating in it. Or you're you're turning yourself into some really tasty soup. Oh, yeah. yeah. Adam soup. <laughs> Yummy. Yeah, you got vegetable stock, beef stock, Adam stock. Wait. Yeah, with just a, a hint of bay leaf and nettle in the Adam stock there. Yep. The next one says you can cleanse your house with water infused with hex-breaking herbs, uh, mop the floors, clean the walls, wash the doors and windows, and when you're finished, throw the mop water out the back door. Now, basically smudging, right? Yeah, essentially. But that that throwing the mop water out the back door—that's a very specific direction, yeah. you know. So there's there's something to that. Um, and there's there's a lot of superstition around houses and the doorways, anyway. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I was I was seeing somebody the other day, and and I had come in their back door. They were like, you're not superstitious, are you? Because I'm going to let you go out the front door. And yeah. <laughs> I was like, not for this. <laughs> like, you right. Know, so, like, you know, it was raining. And I was like, yeah, I'm going out the front door. Yeah. And that, that's like when you cleanse your house with um, sage. If you're doing a sage burning in your house, they say you need to leave a door or a window open so that that negative energy has a place to go. That's right. Um, so that it's not just basically pinging all yeah, around just, your house you're just and bouncing around. You know. You're playing ping pong with it. Yeah, right. Or setting off your smoke alarm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Done that. All right. Then the next way to break a curse or a hex is by brute force. So if, if the curse won't be reflected, punch the curse in the face. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just keep this. Punching yourself right in the face mm-hmm. until you knock the curse right out of you. <laughs> <laughs> or three teeth. I don't yeah, know. That's right. Whichever comes first. But but if, if it won't be reflected and it's resisting the simpler methods of curse breaking, it's time to just break it with a little or a lot of force. Now, this spell is simply an example of one that can be used. And there are many out there and, and you should pick or tailor the spell that most closely fit what you need about the curse. Now, this is what you're going to need. You're going to need some supplies for this one. So air drying clay, water charged with the sun's energy, preferably at noon, a slip of paper and a pen, red ink is preferred, a bay leaf, a black candle, a fire safe container, a tool for writing in clay, and a hammer. So some of these things you might have laying around, you know, some of them you're going to have to work a little bit to get, but the spell must be performed at night and will be most effective if performed during a new or waning moon. So you cleanse yourself in your workspace thoroughly and anoint yourself with solar water. You light the candle, write down on your slip of paper, all the effects that the curse has had on you. And it says to be thorough 
and specific. When you have everything written down, fold the bay leaf into the paper and set it on fire. Allow it to burn completely to ashes in the fire safe container because you don't want to burn your house down. <laughs> right. When the ashes You're already cursed, don't do that. That's right. You know, that, again, this may have been the intent of the curse. You know, this fool's going to burn go. his own house down. Now, when the ashes are finished smoldering, set them aside and take a small portion of clay. And it says enough to create a talisman that will be easy to carry, but not so small that you can't inscribe it and anoint it with a drop of solar water. Mix the ashes into the clay thoroughly, roll the clay into a ball, and flatten it into a disc. Be sure not to make it too thin, and on one side, inscribe the words, No more befouled, again unbound, again unbidden. On the other side, inscribe a symbol to represent the curse. Now, this can be like a sigil. Uh, or just a little simple doodle or drawing. Then you close your ritual space, blow out the candle, and let the talisman dry according to the directions on the clay. (laughs) Now, when the talisman (laughs) is completely dry, take it outside early one morning and allow it to sit in the sun until noon. The talisman is now finished and carry it with you everywhere you go and it will absorb the energy from the curse, preventing it from affecting you. On the next new moon, take the talisman and smash it, rendering the curse that has absorbed, that it is absorbed, useless and broken. And you dispose of the shards outside of your home. Yeah, so don't break this thing and then throw it in your trash because you're just bringing it right back. Yeah. Okay. You right. you want it? You're you're essentially releasing all the energy of the curse. Uh, you know, so that it it doesn't affect you anymore. But but notice that you're not burning this talisman. You know, you're you're smashing right. it. You know, you're you're using this the force to to break the curse. So that I mean, that's going to take some time. You know, so if one of these easier methods work, that's that's what you want to try first. Um, but again, you. Before you get to this point, you really want to make sure, yeah, I know I've been cursed, you know, right. some, some, something's, a, something's after me, you know, something has attached itself to me and I got to get rid of it. No need of going through all of that if it's just a run of bad luck right. or clumsiness, right. you know. Or you've just been stupid and done, right. done some dumb stuff. But you're st- I had many years of that. <laughs> yeah same <laughs> but uh but you're 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 still not completely finished now the last step says once the curse has been broken you'll need to do some magical housekeeping to remove any lingering energy or effects the first step is to thoroughly cleanse yourself your home and anyone else who has been affected by the curse set up wards and protective enchantments around yourself and your home to block future curses And these measures should be regularly updated and refreshed as long as you are in a a situation that may incite another curse. So if you're, you know, if if you're the landlord and you've got some weirdo tenant 
that you know it's just giving you all kinds of grief and you know you're harassing them because they won't pay the rent or they won't mow the grass or whatever it is you know if they're still living there then you may still be vulnerable so you have to take the steps to protect yourself so yep but what happens matt you may ask if you cannot break the curse so what happens matt if you cannot break the curse <laughs> So this 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 is what this is what I'm I'm gonna tell you to do, and I'm not telling you to do it. This is just what I've learned. Every now and then, despite repeated attempts, you'll come across a curse that you just can't break. And most of the time, uh, the writer of this says the people that have come to him are are pretty pretty bugged out. You know they've done all this stuff. You know, things are still happening and they just feel like there's no way out. I'm doomed for the rest of my life. But he says, just chill out. You know, we're we're going to work through this. Number one, you were never cursed in the first place. And, uh, you know, people just don't evaluate their situation correctly and they just assume they've been cursed. When reality, it's just, you know, life kicking them in the butt. And, right. you know, sometimes life is hard. You know, it, it, it stinks. But, you know, I think we, we all have had situations in our life where you're just like, oh, my God, what else is going to go wrong? And, you know, you, you might think, God, you know, I'm cursed. You know, I, nothing is going right. And it may not be that at all. It just might be just the way things have shaken out. and You're just going through a rough patch, yeah, and you just got to make it through it. That, it sounds like a cop-out, but, I mean, there, there's always that chance that that's exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Number two, you have somehow managed to curse yourself. Well, that would suck. <laughs> I left. I left that little pause because I knew when I said that, Adam would be like, "What?" <laughs> like maybe I did that. Yeah, that you know, and that would be my luck too. <laughs> that nobody would curse me. It would be my dumbass that cursed myself. And who are you going to blame for that? Nobody. Yeah. So you know. The brute force I'm going to have to use to break the curse is I am actually going to have to punch myself in the face. Yeah, exactly. To get this to stop. <laughs> you know, now, that wasn't a joke earlier. That was a premonition is what that was. It's, it, you know, it, it's just this, uh, you know, idea, you know, you, you're fooling around with something that you shouldn't be. And next thing you know, hey, you know, you've cursed mm-hmm. yourself. So it, it's, it's unlikely, but it's not unheard of. And Often people, when bad things happen, will jump to the conclusion that they've been cursed and they spend so much time worrying and freaking out about it that they actually end up cursing themselves with all that gross nervous energy. That was what we were talking about earlier. You know, Mm -hmm. you think you're cursed, you believe that you're cursed, and the next thing you know, you are cursed. You know, it's it's taken over. Um, It's like we talked about with tulpas and stuff. If you believe something to be true and you envision something so much, yeah, you can actually create that negative effect. Yeah. And that that's why you know it sounds stupid and 
When people say it, you, you roll your eyes and you're like, oh, you weirdo. But when they say focus your intentions on being happy and you will be happy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes this doesn't work. I, I give you that. But other times, if you put enough intent into your mood and whatever, you can have a palpable negative reaction to something just by thinking negative thoughts. Yeah. And it could go as far as you have cursed yourself by thinking that you're cursed. Yeah. And, you know, there there is a lot of power to positive thinking. And the advice here is just stop and relax. Now, mm-hmm. you know, understandably, there there are situations where medical professionals are required to help people through things. And, you know, better living through chemistry, I always say. But, right. you know, so we're, we're not saying, you know, if, if you're battling depression, convince yourself to just be happy. That doesn't always work. No. You know, but, you know, if, if you really think that over the last month or so, you have just really hit a lull and things just don't seem to be going right, sometimes focusing on the positives can help you break out of that cycle and sometimes that's all it needs you know to to get out of this situation where you may feel like you have been cursed yep so and that's that's the advice here you know essentially saying you know you you've done something that's affected yourself and this is how you need to undo it you know now of course if if you've got a medical condition you need to seek medical help you know Right. We do not give medical advice right. and we we don't claim to. But if you can't get rid of this and you've done all of these things, then there are actually people out there that can that can help you. And and sometimes this takes a little bit of witchcraft. Um, you know, wh- whether you whether you travel to uh, to New Orleans and you go into a real voodoo shop, um, not a touristy one, you know, yeah, not a tourist one, um, but you go into a real voodoo shop, you know, and you talk to somebody that's a real practitioner, you know, if, if you if you know somebody who who does practice witch witchcraft or you know claims that you know they're a witch then it's worth at least talking to them because they may have an idea on on how to do this. So that again right. that's that's going to be that's going to be your last resort. Nothing else is worth than you know just like I said, you know, sometimes you got to seek the help of a medical professional. Sometimes you got to seek the help of another kind of professional. <laughs> so right. you know And it's it's like if you go back to our voodoo episode, um, when I was having issues and I happened to go into that voodoo shop and the guy out of the blue randomly came up to me and said, you know, I need you to get by this color candle and by this color candle. Take it home, meditate on it, and your answer will come true. You know, it, it it will come to light, and I did it, 
and I found out what I needed to know that was causing me the problems and all that. And it was unsolicited advice, but it was somebody well-versed in that kind of thing. And And I would never have figured that out without his help. And it was the right advice. Right. Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, again, like Adam and I always say, there there are things that we don't necessarily understand. And if you've done all this stuff and and you still feel like you're cursed, then talk to somebody who knows a little bit more about it than you do. You know that, or than matter. I yeah, do. definitely. You know, you can you can come to us. We we may can point you in the right direction, but right, we're not breaking curses. No, <laughs> but you know we curse a lot, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Sometimes we do. <laughs> um. With all this talk about curses and hexes, I think, you know, you've probably all come across something that was fairly famous that you like, oh, I remember the story about the curse of this or mm-hmm. the curse of that. Or there was a Hardy Boys book you read as a kid, you know, the curse of the <laughs> clock tower or the yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of famous curses. You know, and, and I'm, I'm going to go over some of these. So Adam actually helped me when we started, helped me pronounce this first one correctly. So this is the curse, You're welcome. the curse of Utsi. <laughs> yeah. So the frozen body of Utsi, also known as the Iceman, was discovered in 1991 in the Utsal Alps on the Austrian Italian border, some 5,300 years after the Bronze Age man died. Rainer Hen, a forensic pathologist who examined Utsi, died in an auto accident one year later. All right, that that might be a coincidence. <laughs> yep, could happen. Yeah. Kurt Fritz, the guide who led Hen to Utsi's body, died in an avalanche shortly thereafter. That that one is a little bit more extreme. <laughs> Getting a little weirder, yeah. yep. Helmut Simon, who first discovered the body, died from a fall while hiking in 2004. Dieter Warnicke, who headed the rescue team looking for Simon's body, died of a heart attack just hours after Simon's funeral. Now, that one, that, that one will make you go, hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, it, and it does seem like a, a pretty amazing series of coincidences, but, you know, honestly, given the number of people that it's in the hundreds who have been involved in researching Utsi, this number of deaths is really not that unusual. I mean, you know, sure. there's been a lot of people around the Iceman who haven't died and certainly haven't died some weird, mysterious death. But, right. it, you know, it, it's real easy to start um, to start affiliating, you know, strange deaths from all these people who are associated with one particular thing, you know, at, to a curse. Now, the next one is the curse of Timur's tomb. Now, Timur... Was a warlord and a nobleman who controlled a vast area of Asia during the 14th century. Now he was a he was renowned as a military tactician 
whose warfare killed some 17 million people. Dang. Now, he was also a a celebrated patron of architecture and the arts. In 1941, Joseph Stalin sent a team of archaeologists to open Timur's tomb in Samarkand, Uzbekistan. Why? Say that five times fast, too. But um, this this really uh, caught the attention of some local residents and the Muslim clergy. Now, upon opening Timur's coffin, the team discovered an inscription. It read, Whoever opens my tomb shall unleash an invader more terrible than I. Now, within a matter of hours, Adolf Hitler's troops invaded Russia. Oh, wow. An estimated 26 million people died as a result. In 1942, Stalin ordered Timur's remains to be reinterred back in Samarkand in accordance with the Islamic tradition. And shortly thereafter, the German army surrendered at Stalingrad, ending their campaign against the Russians. Hmm. Now, again, could be coincidences. Very well, but it's could be. very yep. interesting. Now, we we talked about um, cursed objects, and 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 that one was a really good example of the written curse. Um, yeah. You know, it's meant to deter anyone from disturbing the body or opening the tomb. But when it, and it wasn't what I thought either. I thought you were going to, like we've seen before, where they open the thing and then everybody falls ill from some mysterious mm-hmm. disease. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, you can think, okay, well, maybe that's early chemical warfare where they, they knew they had a disease and, and they, so if you open this, you breathed it in, then you died from whatever disease. But that took a turn that I wasn't expecting. I know. I know. Um, and that that's what made it pretty cool. Yeah. But when we talk about cursed objects, cursing jewels is has been a common practice for centuries. Matt, are your family jewels cursed? <laughs> I got five kids. What do you think? <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> um, the, you threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> my bad <laughs> now the, this one is, is one that it, that most people have probably heard of the curse of the hope diamond yeah now french merchant jean baptiste tevenaire according to legend stole a 115 carat blue diamond from the eye of a hindu idol in india and for this sacrilege Tavernier, I said Tavernier, and then I'm going to say Tavernier. I just realized I mispronounced it. So just cover s- all your bases. Send your emails to Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Crap. Tavernier was supposedly mauled to death by dogs, but in reality, he sold the gem to King Louis the Fourteenth of France in 1669 and retired a wealthy man. Now all went well until the diamond fell in the hands. Of of King Louis the Sixteenth and his wife Marie Antoinette, who both were beheaded during the French Revolution. Now, after Lord Francis Hope of England inherited the diamond, he married an American showgirl. 
that doesn't sound like bad luck there, does it? No. The pair squandered their fortune, sold the diamond, does. and were eventually reduced to poverty. Now, after Evelyn Walsh McLean bought the stone in 1912, her son was killed in a car accident, her daughter committed suicide, and her husband left her for another woman. And he eventually ended up in an insane asylum. Wow. Now, the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History bought the Hope Diamond in 1958 and has not suffered from owning it. But a truck hit the postman who delivered the jewel. Now, he survived. Oh, geez. His wife and dog died not long afterwards, however, and his home caught on fire. Uh. (laughs) Now, what are the odds? It's just a postman. What are the odds of all of that happening directly around, you know, the possession of this diamond? (laughs) Right. Well, it's just the postman, too. Leave that poor guy alone. He was just delivering the thing. But again, as we mentioned before, cursed items are best left alone and certainly don't steal them. Right. (laughs) It's even worse. You you really want to bring on some bad juju, do that. Steal something that's cursed. Mm -hmm. Now, here's here's another diamond that's cursed. The Black Orlov Diamond, also referred to as the Eye of Brahma Diamond. The stone was allegedly stolen from one of the eyes in a statue of the Hindu god Brahma. And I'm not even. Pondicherry <laughs> is the name of this place. I had to look at it twice. I was like, wait a minute. I knew how to pronounce this earlier. <laughs> but again, that would explain the curse and the many suicides that follow the owners of this black diamond. J.W. Paris, who is the one responsible for bringing the diamond to the U.S. in 1932, jumped to his death from a skyscraper in New York. The next owners were two Russian princesses, Nadia Vagan Orlov and Leonila Galtistine Baratinsky. Man, how did I get all the words this time? Both better you than me. I'd have screwed it up. <laughs> now, both of them committed suicide only months apart by jumping to their deaths from buildings in Rome. Now, from there, it was cut into three different pieces by a jeweler who proclaimed the division would break the curse. And maybe it did, because we really haven't heard a lot about this diamond until actress Felicity Huffman was supposed to wear the necklace at the 2006 Academy Awards, but mysteriously decided against it, which was probably a smart move. Probably so. So the the next cursed jewel we're going to talk about is the Delhi Purple Sapphire. Now, this jewel was discovered just 30 years ago or so by Peter Tandy. He's a curator at the National History Museum in London. It was found inside the museum's mineral cabinets, and the gem was supposedly sealed up in several boxes, surrounded by protective charms, and it came with a warning. Whosoever shall open it shall first read out this warning, and then do as he pleases with the jewel. My advice to him or her is to cast it into the sea. 
Now, a lot of people suspected that the gemstone, which oddly enough is not technically a sapphire, was part of the looted treasure stolen from the Temple of Indra in Kanpur during the bloody Indian mutiny of 1857. Now, the cursed quartz was brought into England by Bengal cavalryman Colonel W. Ferris, who eventually went bankrupt, as did his son after he inherited the stone. Now, it was then purchased by writer Edward Heron Allen, who later claimed it brought him nothing but bad luck. So he gave it away to friends who promptly returned it after experiencing <laughs> mountains of misfortune, including a singer who lost her singing voice forever. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, we don't want it. <laughs> you know, here, no. you take this back. Well, thanks, but no uh, thanks. We know why you gave this to us. Yeah, I'm, I see. Now, some claim that, that Heron Allen threw the Delhi Purple Sapphire into the Regent's Canal, only to have it returned a few months later uh, after it was found by a, a local dredger and then sold to a dealer who realized what it was and returned it. Now, this... Now, can you, this hey, uh, you dropped this. This, oh. look, this reminds me of a story, which is a tangent, but it's hilarious. So, way back when, I used to coach baseball, okay? And so... We're at, we're at baseball practice one day, and one of the other coaches is throwing, he's pitching baseball, he's pitting, pitching batting practice, okay? So, in the bucket of balls he had, of real baseballs, one of these, like, indoor baseballs that we would use when we, it was raining and we had to practice in the gym, it's kind of soft and squishy, mm -hmm. it's got the same weight, but it's not going to break anything made its way into the into the bucket of regular balls. And so the coach, he grabs it, and, and he's like, he threw it. I think one of the kids hit it, and they, like, cranked it to the fence. And these were younger kids, so this wasn't, like, something that we just expected one of these kids to do. And it sounded weird, mm. and he's like, hey, throw, throw me that ball. So he, he threw it in, and... And he looked at it and he was like, he threw it to me and he goes, get rid of this. And he pitches it over to me and I'm standing over in the dugout. And, and one of the other coaches leads over to me and go, wouldn't it be hilarious if that ball just kept showing up in that bucket? <laughs> <laughs> so casually we would roll it out to one of the kids playing shortstop. And he would, yeah. he would work it in to the bucket. And coach nice. would pick it up and he'd be like, Ugh! and then he'd chunk it over there at the dugout. And then, you know, a few pitches later, it would show up again. Well, the, like the third or fourth time this happened, he was pissed. And so he walks over to the guy that, that's hitting, and he takes his bat, and he pitches this ball up, and he jacks it way out. I mean, just, it's gone, man. I mean, it is gone. He cranks it out. It, it goes over, we're at a big park, and it goes over like into some trees and everything. So we continue practice. And of course, we're over there just cracking up, you know, try not to try sure. not to give ourselves away. And, and, and practice is over, but there was a guy walking his dog like out there, we noticed. Mm -hmm. And we were kind of chuckling, you know, thinking about what could happen. 
And as we're standing there, and he's up there talking to all the team, and we're standing over there, you know, just kind of listed. This dude comes walking up to the the little huddle of players with his dog, and he's like, "Hey, did y'all lose this ball?" And he hands it right back to him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I was going to wet my pants. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> so that happens to this guy, you know. He gets he throws this daggum sapphire into the canal. Be God, you know, you can just imagine him slinging it out there. And, and then months later, this guy goes, hey, I think this belongs to you. And he's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tangent uh, over. What a way to get it back, you know. <laughs> so anyway, so back to the back to the Delhi Sapphire, <laughs> the, the, the jewel eventually was sealed up and sent away to the family banker with instructions that it should stay forever locked away until after Heron Allen's death. And only after three years, after he'd been dead for three years, would his banker be allowed to donate it, donate it. And under no circumstances was Heron Allen's daughter ever allowed to touch or possess the stone. So, he, I mean, he believed it was it was legitimately cursed, and he, you know, he tried to get away from it. Wouldn't it suck to be back. that daughter and not believe the curse, and you're never allowed to touch this really expensive jewel, and <laughs> you, you just don't understand, and you're yeah. I mean, you know, I, I can imagine you know the things you tell kids don't don't play with this. This is not a toy. That's the first thing they want to play right. with. So oh, I yeah. want to I want to tell them come oh, yeah. play with all of this. Because or, or or clean right. all of this, then they'll never touch it. <laughs> well, yeah, right. the The next one is the curse of Tippecanoe, and Native American leader Tecumseh was believed to have cursed William Henry Harrison after Harrison's troops emerged victorious at the Battle of Tippecanoe. Now, historians have noted that ever since Harrison became president in 1840, every person elected to the office in 20-year intervals, has died while serving as president. Now, Harrison died of pneumonia after one month in office. Abraham Lincoln, elected in 1860, was assassinated, as was James Garfield, who was elected in 1880, William McKinley in 1900, and both Warren G. Harding, elected in 1920, and Franklin Delano Roosevelt, elected in 1940, died of natural causes while in office, John F. Kennedy wow. in 1960 was assassinated. And in 1980, Ronald Reagan was elected and was the target of an assassin's bullet in 1981. But he survived, apparently lifting the curse. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, oh. that's what's amazing to me is that I've never seen this before. How did I make it yeah. through history class yep. without this ever coming up? So that's what I was just sitting here thinking is how did I never hear about this until this episode? Yeah, I mean, I was like, how did, how did this escape me? But anyway, pretty cool. Now, this next one, I think a lot of people will know, especially if you're a sports fan. It's uh, the GOAT. And the curse of the Chicago Cubs. And, I, you know, I had to include this. Oh, sure. Now, in, ni- in 1945, a man named Bill Billy Goat Cianis was ejected from a Chicago Cubs game 
because he brought a goat with him. Now, Cianis was none too happy about being ejected from the game and reportedly cursed the, the ball club with the words, the Cubs ain't going to win no more. And sure enough, the Cubs lost the next game and didn't win a World Series for more than a century. Despite many attempts over the years to lift the curse, some involving goats, um, while most regarded the curse as a silly superstition, uh, many longtime fans took it really seriously. And in April of 2013, police in Cook County found a decapitated goat tied to a tree near a golf course. And a few days, oh, yeah, a few days later, an unknown man delivered a smelly box addressed to Tom Ricketts, who was the owner of the Chicago Cubs. Inside was a decaying goat's head. Ooh. But, you know, of course, the Cubs did finally put the curse to bed by winning the World Series in 2016 after 108 years. Now, mm. if I can curse you and keep you from doing something for 108 years, I've got to say it was pretty effective. All right. But we're going to we're going to close out with probably the the most famous curse, the one that I would bet most everyone knows. Um and it's the mummy's curse, or also known as the curse of the Pharaoh. Now, this is, like I said, one of most one of history's most famous curses. And Adam and I dug down into the Pharaoh's curse in episode seventy. So, if you want to know more about it, check out that particular show. Now, we couldn't talk about curses without including this one, but we're not going to go into detail because we've done that. But here's a synopsis. According to some reports, the tomb of King Tutankhamun was guarded by a stone inscribed with the ominous threat, death shall come on swift wings to him who disturbs the peace of the king. But we know Egyptologist Howard Carter and Lord Carnarvon opened the tomb to worldwide fanfare in 1922. Shortly thereafter, however, strange fates befell those who had entered the tomb. Lord Carnarvon died four months later while in Egypt from an infected mosquito bite. Uh, a few hours after his death back in England, Carnarvon's beloved dog Susie let out a yelp and died. Financier George J. Gould died of a fever six months after visiting the tomb. Wolf Joel, a South, America, a South African millionaire, was murdered a few months after his visit to the tomb. A.C. Mace a member of Carter's archaeological team was killed by arsenic poisoning, and Carter's personal secretary was found smothered in his bed in 1929. But researchers have determined that of the dozens of people connected with opening of the tomb, the vast majority of them lived long, healthy lives. That's something else that Adam and I go into in episode 70. Um, and others have speculated that some of the deaths may have been attributed to toxic molds or bacteria that were disturbed when the tomb was open. Something else that we get into a little bit more detail in that show. But as I said, we, we couldn't talk about curses without talking about possibly the most famous one of all time. But, you know, this was really, you know, a topic that, that was very, very interesting to me. And, you know, I've, I've always uh, had a fascination with, you know, People that carried good luck charms, you know, people that wore, 
you know, a talisman. And, you know, I'm no different. You know, I keep I keep a chunk of black tourmaline on my bedside table. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think we've all done something that makes us feel a little bit better that it's keeping, you know, an evil curse or some negative energy or just run-of-the-mill bad luck at bay. You know, whether it's, you know, going in, going in and out of the same door when you enter a house or, you know, not stepping on a crack or, you know, toting around a rabbit's foot, you know, finding a four-leaf clover and pressing it in a book, you know, anything like that. I think we've all had some experience with that. And at some point in time in everyone's life, you, you might put a little bit of credence to it, but you know, the, the actual casting and breaking of, of hexes and curses, you know, we, we've seen it in Hollywood. Um, you know, I, we just watched, um, sub, uh, the chilling adventures of Sabrina, you know, which is, which is a guilty pleasure. I mean, you know, the <laughs> show it's, it's really, it's actually a good show. Um, but it's very tongue in cheek. Um, but it's so tongue in cheek that it, that it makes it worth watching. It, it doesn't take itself right. too seriously. Um, but there's a lot of that that goes on in there, you know, hexes and curses and jinx. Oh my. And you know, you know, if you, mm-hmm. you can get your fill of it and, you know, I enjoy that kind of stuff. You know, I enjoy, you know, the idea that somebody, somebody stole a diamond and it, it carried a curse with it. And you can follow the history of this thing for decades of, of all the misfortune right. of all the people that possessed it. You know, I, I just, I eat that stuff up, but, um, you know, what do you guys think? You know, Adam's Adam's got a thing we think is cursed or possibly could be, and he's got it stored in a jar. He just brought it up on camera. You know, it's it's in salt, and you know, like I said, I thought he'd thrown it in the lake, but um, you know, do do you guys have anything like that? You know, did your grandmother hand you something down and go, "Don't ever open this box"? You know, like like Mm -hmm. the Dybbuk box. You know, supposedly passed down from a grandmother who survived the Holocaust and said, you know. Right. Don't ever open this because we've trapped a Dybbuk inside. You know, do you have something like that? You know, Adam's dad has a doll that he would swear is cursed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that thing moves on its own. It's cursed. You know, but let us know. You know, let let us know um, if you if you've seen anything like that. If you've heard those kind of stories, um, you know those 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 little stories of towns and um, you know, the history behind them of, of something being cursed or, or a hex being put on somebody, you know, those are a lot of fun. And we, we didn't even touch on all the things that were associated with the bell, Witch right here in Tennessee, right. You know, of all the, the curses that she put um, on the town of Adams and the family of, you know, the bell family. Um, So there's a, there's a lot of information out there, but let us know what you guys think. Absolutely. If you, uh, I would be real interested if your family supposedly has been cursed. You know, if if your grandparents or great grandparents told you that back in the day, um, the so and so family cursed our family, and da, 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 I'd be very interested to know that. 
because the the generational curses interest me a lot. So hit us up on, uh, you know, Facebook or social media or email or something like that and tell us the story. And uh, you can you can find us, as Adam said, on Facebook. You can get in our Facebook group. You can catch us on Twitter and on Instagram. Just go and search Graveyard Tales and check out our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com. And on the website, you can listen to the show. You can find links to buy Graveyard Tales merchandise. Uh, you can find out a little bit more about Adam and myself, and you can become a patron. And we always like to thank, ev- thank everyone who has donated to the show. It really keeps us going. Um, I think that's all I got, Adam. Yeah, man. Good episode. And yeah, thanks to all those people that support us out there because it allows us to keep doing these fun episodes and uh, you know, they, they seem to be getting a little longer here um, <laughs> as we go, but that's just... Yeah, this was a long um, one. We're, we're able to put a little more time into it because of y'all's support. That's right. That's right. And um, and and thank you to Jeff, who uh, helped us research this topic. Um, we really do appreciate it. So, until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. Now, Rainer Hen, who is a forensics Rainer Hen, who is a forensic pathologist, examined Utsi and stated that he or the, the man God. All right, starting over. Also referred to as the eye of, of 